Hey, hello, everybody. My name is Mike. I'm here with Tommy. Uh, welcome to episode nine of Driving to the Basket. So this episode is largely going to focus on grading the Pistons at each of the Pistons players, rather, and uh, Dwayne Casey as well. Why not? Uh, as we're just past the quarter mark of the season. But first, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the remainder of that very important five-game span uh, between Orlando and the in that final game uh, against the Cavaliers that we spoke about on last week's episode. So, Tommy, why don't you take it away, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I believe we went 3-2 and two over that stretch. Really should have yeah. Yeah, gone a little higher than that. That was definitely uh, a time to uh, bring yourself a lot closer to 500 uh, before we take on uh, some tougher teams in the next few weeks. Uh. On the on the other hand, though, the offense has looked better. We've seen a lot of new things. Like we've seen uh, the Drummond and Griffin pick and roll. Uh, we've seen a lot better ball movement. Derrick Rose is he, he's building chemistry with a lot of those bench guys and finding them uh, on the perimeter, which has been <coughs> great to see. And you you kind of expect that with a brand new team, uh, a lot of new players. Uh, there's going to be some issues, and that issue uh, primarily. For the Pistons this year has been turnovers, and the Pistons have managed to reduce those a little bit. Uh, there was one really bad turnover in one of those games where Derrick Rose threw it to nobody, and it ended up costing the Pistons the game. But overall, uh, the Pistons are fixing some of their issues. Uh, they just weren't able to get it done enough in that five-game stretch where they really should have been able to capitalize on five games that were definitely winnable and would have been a very good time for the Pistons to uh, get a good wooden streak going. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think it was entirely within the realm of possibility for the Pistons to go 5-0. and uh, You had Orlando, of course, down uh, Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic, and you know, the Pistons had to win that game. They didn't win that game. And the games against the Cavaliers, who are a mess uh, from top to bottom, nobody's really performed particularly well. I mean, you got a, a team where – a pretty washed out Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson are, are your best players is going nowhere. Apparently there's some issues with uh, Bayline as well in the locker room. The Spurs looks like this is finally the year where they're going to miss the playoffs. I mean, you can never really rule out Greg Popovich. I mean, the man in, in my opinion uh, is, is the greatest coach in the history of the league, but they've got such a weak team, such a weak team. And they were playing without Marcus Aldridge, who is really their only uh, strong interior presence. So the Pistons just really ate them alive. But you lost twice against Charlotte. Charlotte is not a good team. They are not a good team. Uh, the, the first game was a complete and utter mess for the Pistons uh, from beginning to end. They were in it until uh, the last minutes. But really, uh, the final sequence really just summed up the game, which is you know, the Pistons needed a basket. Uh, at first, uh, they call a timeout on a five-on-four transition opportunity. Then they apparently drop a play, not knowing that Charlotte or not realizing that Charlotte has a foul to give. Charlotte fouls, and then there's there's nothing left. You know, they, they have that, that last possession. Apparently, they don't have a play drawn up, and Derrick Rose dribbles the ball off and, and just does nothing with it. Uh, in both games, Drummond got outplayed by Bismack Biombo. That's unacceptable. This is just something that Andre does. We'll, we'll talk about this a bit later uh, in the show. But there are games when he just doesn't really show up and he gets outplayed by by guys who are well below his level. We've seen it happen in the past with, for example, Dwayne Dedman. Andre notoriously struggles against him. Uh, fortunately, we don't see the guy very much anymore. 
but, uh, you know, Alex Len last year outplayed Andre so badly that Dwayne Casey just took Andre out for the entire fourth quarter, uh, things like that. And, and he got outplayed by Biombo, and, and just, that can't happen. So this very could very easily could have been a 5-0 and stretch, and that would have been very nice for the Pistons. I mean, at least for, for those fans who really want to see them make the playoffs. And, and that remains a goal of the organization. And instead, the Pistons have lost three times to the Hornets this season. And that just can't happen. You can't. Uh, when you're a team like the Pistons, you're not going to attain a top seed in the East. This team just isn't, even as everything came together, I mean, this team just isn't as good as the Torontos and the Bostons, uh, the Philadelphia's, the conference. That's just the way it is. You have to beat the bad teams. Charlotte is a bad team. So it was a disappointing stretch. That said, I do agree with you that some things are starting to come together a little bit more. Probably uh, is is the result of Blake Griffin being back, though Griffin certainly isn't himself quite yet. So altogether, I would say pretty disappointing. Three and two is good, but the Pistons really needed better than that, and they could have done better than that. And it's it, it was sort of distressing to see to see them fall apart in two games against against a bad team in Charlotte. <clears throat> so from there, why don't we just launch into uh, talking about uh, you know really just running down the roster and seeing and, and talking about how. Uh, each player has performed uh, so far on the season. So I'd say, why don't we start off with Blake Griffin? Obviously, I'd say if we're assigning this guy great, you give him an incomplete. Uh, he's not up to speed, clearly. The guy does not look good. He does not look like himself. Uh, I saw somebody put it pretty well. Uh, I believe it was on Reddit who said that it looks like you know one of his legs is shorter than the other. He just he doesn't look like himself inside the arc. Last season, and really before that, of course, he made his living largely within the three-point line. Uh, in, in isolation, he was very difficult to stop in the way of the basket, great at drawing fouls. In the post, he would generally, uh, he was just physically dominating. He had, he had his array of moves. He, he would generally draw double teams, uh, excuse me, double teams. And it was just a very effective score. He can't do anything inside of the arc right now. He said that uh, he had that good game against Cleveland that largely came uh, on the power of his three-point shooting and the Pistons, they need, you know, if they can't have Griffin, Griffin's big game is becoming only from the three-point line. I mean, obviously points are points, but they need the guy to, to be performing at the level he did last season if they really want to have a hope of this team going anywhere. Uh, what have been your thoughts about Blake? Yeah, he uh, he definitely hasn't looked like himself or at least not like <clears throat> Blake Griffin from last year. The... The effort is there. You know, we see him. He's still diving for loose balls. He's still bodying people uh, who are trying to back him down. But his foot speed is, is and his explosiveness have taken another step back. Like, he's not – he obviously isn't going to be the Blake Griffin from from L.A., but he's, he's <coughs> even worse than he was last year. Last year was passable because he added the three-point shot. Uh, he When you dis- diversify your offensive skill set – it makes it a lot harder for people to guard you. But now that he's only got uh, his three-point shooting, teams are kind of backing off of him when he's at uh, the three-point line. And they're it's, trying he's to... Only, he's only at 31% this season. So right. That's, that's rough. Exactly. And you need Blake Griffin to be the Blake from last year who was, like you said, drawing double teams. <clears throat> and uh, right now would be a perfect time for that because the Pistons are shooting... Like unbelievably well there. I think in, by percentage, they're still number one in the league right now, uh, just a hair under 40%. And if Blake is drawing double teams and he's kicking it out to the open guy or they're passing it around the arc and they find that open guy, 
to capitalize on something like that would be huge for the Pistons. And if Blake isn't able to do that right now, that's that's a missed opportunity at a time where, uh, you know, you've got to capitalize on something like the Pistons shooting much better than anybody expected. So, yeah, I guess an incomplete because he's clearly not himself. And you hope that he, he's getting a little bit better, it seems. Like his first game back, he just looked awful. Now he's just regular bad. But... Yeah, an incomplete because you you want to give Blake a little bit more time to get his legs under him again. Yeah, uh, definitely great point about uh, about the Pistons shooting last season. There was just this dire lack of spacing uh, around Blake Griffin, and uh, it made life a lot more difficult on him. And the Pistons now, then who knows if the shooting is sustainable from uh, guys like Galloway, especially who's notorious, just notoriously streaky, and. Uh, and has never shot this well for this long before, if I remember correctly. Actually, maybe in that uh, an abbreviated uh, season he spent uh, with the Pelicans. Uh, you know, that probably convinced Stan Van Gundy. It's probably what convinced Stan Van Gundy to bring him to Detroit, though I think Van Gundy had said he'd already liked him. But let's just pretend that Van Gundy never existed. That would do fine for me. <laughs> uh, in any event, so... Yeah, the Pistons are in a considerably better position right now to utilize this full skill set. Uh, like you said, they've been shooting remarkably well. Uh, they are, however, in the lower half of the league in terms of a point uh, three-point attempts per game. And a guy like Blake Griffin could really help with that by by drawing gravity inside the post, uh, excuse me, uh, inside the arc, particularly uh, from the post and uh, just doing his thing, just distributing from that area. Uh, one thing I will say, the defense has improved with him in the lineup. Uh, you know, you would think that's a little counterintuitive because Griffin has never, you know, even in his much more athletic days, has never been a stalwart defender. What he is is a leader. The Pistons, really, with him out of the lineup, didn't have any leadership voices on the floor. Uh, I think that's one place where, uh, believe it or not, Ish Smith was missed because uh, Smith, even from his first season in Detroit, would call out assignments on the defensive end, uh, at least from time to time. And, uh, you know, he was, he was just a naturally organizing force. And Derek Rose just isn't that on the defensive end. You know, not to say that Ish Smith is any sort of defensive anchor, but you need that, uh, you need that, uh, you need that voice on the court. So uh, moving on to the other t- team's other principal, Andre Drummond. So Drummond, as we all know, you know, early in the season, uh, first seven games in particular, that stretch, he was a complete monster. He, uh, you know, just across that span, 22 points per game, about 19 rebounds. I mean, he was uh, turning over the ball a lot, but that's, you know, the very small price to pay. He was, he was excellent in the defensive end, absolutely excellent. Altogether, you know, it, it's just another tantalizing, uh, you know, equal parts tantalizing and frustrating indication of what Andre Drummond can do. When he's playing fully engaged and he's sticking to what he's good at, he's a very effective player. And he actually even showed some uh, a fairly good face-up game off the drive, uh, you know, from the baseline in particular, not so much from elsewhere uh, within the arc. But uh, this, his face-up game from the baseline was very effective. He was not taking any of his stupid jump hooks that have plagued the Pistons for more than four seasons, uh, five seasons, I think, counting the last one. And, uh, you know, he just, he just looked great. Uh, unfortunately, his performance took a dump afterward. This is, I think, was a season where people were particularly asking, can Drummond finally keep this up? Is he finally going to be consistent? Is he finally going to give us more of what we saw of him in uh, you know, about one-third of last season and about one-quarter of the season before? And the answer, unfortunately, turned out to be no because his game took a dump very, very soon. 
uh, you know, right after that Brooklyn game, actually, that somewhat stirring win. The Pistons were victorious over the Nets with no point guards. Ever since then, Drummond's performance has gone significantly downhill. Uh, at first, it was because he was just getting into a lot of foul trouble. Uh, and then Griffin came back, and you could just see Andre's care level go significantly down. He's a guy who operates best when he's the center of things. Uh, that's what gets him engaged. And he just he, he just he couldn't keep up with it. Uh, you know, couldn't keep it up, rather. And he's just resumed his loafing ways, unfortunately. Uh, his his true shooting percentage over the last uh, fifteen games since uh, since I believe the uh, the Wizards game is down to fifty three percent. That is unacceptable for a traditional center. Just completely unacceptable. Those guys need to be highly efficient in the paints to compensate for the fact that they have no range, inability to space the floor, in the modern offense for NBA where where centers even most centers can shoot these days. Most starting centers is is a major disadvantage. You have to be good in the paints. You have to be doing well at everything that a traditional center does. Uh, and he's not. His defense, to his credit, is, it hasn't been quite as good. Uh, at the rim, he's still great. He's still a top 10 center uh, in terms of top 10, uh, top 10 center in general. I think he's ranked uh, uh, number eight or number nine among starting centers uh, in terms of uh, percentage allowed at the rim. He's along about 50% of the rim, which is great. Uh, his, his defense outside the arc has not been quite as good. But it's just so distressing to see his performance decline. <clears throat> he's uh, he's just back to f- back to forcing things, particularly in the you know on the offensive end. He's not uh, as in the offense, especially with Griffin back. Uh, he's not as in the offense as, as he was before, and now he's resorting to his dumb isolations, these awful mid range jump hooks that made him the worst post player in the NBA over the past five seasons. Uh, just a lot of bad shots, not trying to establish position before shooting around the basket, back to all of his bad habits. So, so that's rough. Uh, another thing that's, uh, that's fun to look at. Uh, I mean, the guy's become a turnover machine. That's a problem, uh, particularly in transition. The whole experiment with him bringing the ball up the floor was a disaster. Uh, right now, his, uh, his turnover percentage on transition opportunities is about 30 means the Pistons are turning over the ball about 30% of the time, or he's turning over the ball about 30% of the time when he handles it in transition. <clears throat> it's um, basically, if you're a traditional big, you have to stay in your lane. And he was doing that in the first uh, the first segment of the season. He is not doing it anymore. So that rant aside, what are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, yeah, like you said, it's been, it's been a tale of like, two different Andre Drummonds. The first part of the season where Blake Griffin was out, Andre Drummond was thriving because he was engaged. He was getting the ball a lot more. And to his credit, he was doing an extremely good job uh, on both ends of the floor. In fact, he was fighting harder for uh, post position, getting both feet in the paint. And that's what you want to see from him because that's, that's how you up your efficiency. And even though he's not great at backing people down, I think there was, I think one time where he, really muscled his way into the paint. It was like, you want to see more of that, like desperately. Andre Drummond is one of the heaviest players in the league. And with a lot of teams going to uh, smaller, more mobile centers, you want him to do that a whole lot more. Uh, so it's it's a little bit frustrating that he hasn't done that sooner and he hasn't done that much since. Uh, the other thing that he was doing really well uh, was defending. And one of the things that the, the Pistons have been trying to do for probably the last couple of years is, they try to force people off the three-point line and have them drive inside and then 
take some sort of mid-range pull-up. Uh, our guards and our, our our wing players haven't been very good at defending beyond that. They kind of overcommit to the three, which is probably by design. And then Drummond is the one who ends up having to answer for it because he has to prevent the guy who's driving inside from taking an uncontested mid-range pull-up, and he also needs to uh, prevent the lob threat, which is the guy who's behind him that he's supposed to guard. And that's a, that's a tough ask, and it's probably hurt Andre Drummond's defensive stats, uh, but for those first few games, he, he did it beautifully. Like He picked his spots really well. He was really active. He was coming up to guys quick enough that he was kind of throwing them off, and uh, you just wish that he would do that more often, but... Like some of us thought, you know, uh, when Blake Griffin came back, he wasn't getting his touches, his engagement goes down, and then he resorts to a lot of his bad habits. Uh, we've seen the the jump hook. He was shooting it fairly well, actually, uh, in the beginning of the season, but it was on low volume, which is acceptable. Uh, but oh, now he was, also, he, was, he was a lot closer to the basket on his hooks yeah, also. Exactly. Yeah, he was actually scoring pretty well on his hooks, uh, early on, but he was taking them from like two or three feet away. Yep. And that's, that's what you, you guys, I mean, it's still not a great <laughs> shot uh, overall for him, but it's that like when he's taking it that close and he was only, when he's hitting it that often, sure, go ahead and take that. But now that he's kind of forcing more of his offense, he's taking them from further away. He'll, he'll try to muscle his way in a couple times, but then he'll kind of pull away and try to get, uh, some distance between him and his defender. And in doing so, he takes the jump hook from like eight feet away and it goes in a lot less when he does that. So it's frustrating that he's kind of gone back to a lot of his old habits. There were people who were talking about, well, maybe this is the Andre Drummond that you do want to max or bring back on a huge contract. And, you know, just you just kind of knew deep down that when Blake Griffin came back, uh, we, we, we wouldn't see this 2020 every game beast any, anymore uh which is unfortunate so i i mean his first half of the season i'd give him an a no problem but now i'd probably give him like a c yeah i'd say i i really tend to judge players on what they're you know in part on what they're capable of and if they're doing that and i don't think he has been like you said on, on defense i mean he has the instincts and the athleticism and the endurance to really be just a game changer on defense. Uh, you see guys like Goody, you know, a guy like Rudy Gobert is one of the best defenders in the league who alters the game changer on defense just by being there and by doing all the right things. I don't think Andre has quite that level of, uh, of instinct, but he is more athletic. He's very able to, uh, to kind of do two things at once, go and contest a shot, like you said, and then come back and defend the rim. Uh, it's just night and day whether you know between when he is engaged and willing to do so and when he's like eh and and it really isn't working quite as hard and it doesn't happen so uh yeah yeah the, the post possessions though yeah that just hurts to see i don't know why they're back i don't know why you know the post excuse me the mid-range jump hooks i don't know why twain casey's allowing them he encouraged andre to take them last season which was ridiculous Andre Drummond's basically, uh, you know, over the last five years, I think it's uh, has averaged about uh, 0.75 points per possession uh, as a post player. That is uh, agonizingly bad. You would rather have Josh Smith hoisting three pointers. So, and, and there was, uh, I believe it was against Charlotte. There's one possession where Andre got the ball in the post, and uh, it might have been against Cleveland. I, I don't remember. And you heard Blake Griffin shout, Take your time, Andre. <laughs> like take your time, get closer to the basket, get your position. I mean, all he said was take your time, but clearly the meeting was clear, get your position. 
uh, get, in, get into a good place to take the shot. Don't just take it. So, yeah, all told, I mean, like you said, if you're, if you're just grading Andre, if we did this episode, you know, after seven games, it would be like A, verging on A+, plus, fantastic. Even though I, I would say definitely this team should not max him unless they're getting rid of Andre, uh, excuse me, of Blake Griffin. And uh, only if you are fully, fully, 100, 150% confident that Andre is going to play this way for the rest of his contract, which of course he can't be. So uh, I'm going to give him, all told, uh, let's say it's maybe a B-. minus. You know, credit to the guy. The Pistons would be in tremendously worse position if he hadn't played so well in the first seven games, but he has not been mm-hmm. good ever since. And that's because he's not trying as hard, and that's unacceptable. So uh, moving down, down the list to Reggie Jackson, I mean, this guy has just been completely invisible. I mean, you don't even notice him on the courts. Uh, you know, all jokes aside, uh, with, with all the flack that Reggie Jackson has gotten, I certainly gave him plenty uh, back in the day. I think he really uh, has... His attitude has really evolved. Uh, he's become much more professional over the last couple of seasons, much more willing to 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 allow other players to spotlight. And he's missed by the Pistons. He, you know, because there, there are several things he brings. He can create some offense on his own. Uh, he's he's a good pick and roll player. Not as good as he once was because uh, the guy used to be super athletic. And I guess we were all hoping he would come back after this healthy offseason and look good. And then this, this stuff happened with his back. It's a real shame. Feel bad for the guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's, he's a good pick-and-roll presence. Like I said, he can create some offense. He's got really good synergy with, with Andre, and, you know, you got to get on try to get Andre involved in every game as much as you can, so that's important. Uh, he's, uh, he's a fair spot-up three-point shooter. And, uh, yeah, uh, and he's not a good defender, but when he's physically up to speed, I mean, the guy has a seven-foot wingspan. That can make up for a lot of mistakes. So... I mean, obviously, you're not giving Reggie Jackson a grade, but I would, I would just say briefly that uh, he, I, I think the guy certainly is missed on the roster, and uh, hopefully he'll be back before it's too late. Uh, so, you know, moving on from that A side, we'll go down to probably the guy who's been, I would say, the third most impactful member of the roster so far, which would be Luke Kennard. Now, uh, Luke has really evolved into... Uh, you know, what I, what I thought he could be. I said this on uh, many previous uh, episodes of the podcast. I thought the guy should just be given the ball, be given as much help as he needs to get open and just, and just told shoot on high volume. And he's a good distributor. He's, he's a good passer. He's one of those players who can, uh, you know, who can see in front of him to his sides, but also knows where guys are behind him. And he's, uh, he's a threat to score from, you know, anywhere outside the paint, you'd like to be better in the paint, but he's, he's gotten craftier. He knows which shots he can't make at the rim and he tends to stick to the ones he can. So he's been real big for the Pistons. Another guy who, who started off uh, real hot and uh, has cooled down to a degree, but uh, I mean, he's still, you know, he's, he's on the whole, he's, he's been pretty great. 59% true shooting. And, um, and 16 points per game. Uh, his defense has not been great. You know, Kennard is never going to be a good defender. He's, he's, he's not quick. Uh, he's got relatively poor lateral mobility. He's got a very short wingspan. He's just not the most athletic guy out there. Uh, he's been better than I thought he would be. He's a minus, but uh, I think more than makes up for it on offense. So, uh, you know, I toss Luke a... Uh, I toss Luke probably a... Uh, uh, somewhere in between A minus and B plus, 
uh, the main knock against him is that there are some games in which he just disappears. Uh, he's, he's, he's tended to be either very good or, or pretty bad, but his good games have certainly outweighed his bad games. And as much as you want to compare the guy to Donovan Mitchell and say, yes, it still probably was the wrong choice to take the safer pick, uh, over the guy who had the higher ceiling for a team like the Pistons that was already, uh, you know, completely cap, uh, you know, salary cap blocked. Uh, getting a guy like Luke who can come off, uh, you know, can be a starter or come off the bench and give you 15 plus points on high efficiency every game is, is a pretty good uh, use of what I believe was the number 11 pick. I mean, uh, if you get that at number 11, you're pretty satisfied. So, uh, you know, be yeah, nice I think he was I really actually 12. He was 12. Okay. Well, even, even more than. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, I I like how well Luke has done. I still think he has more room to grow as a player, and uh, and there are still some nights on which he gets a little bit gun shy. But uh, I like how he's done so far. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I'm very happy with Luke. I I tend to <laughs> kind of think about players in terms of what their contract is, and since Luke is still on his rookie contract, this type of volume and this. The shooting that he's giving us, it's it's just great uh, in that context because it's a lot of it's what like you said, sixteen points per game, fifty nine percent true shooting. He's doing what uh, he was drafted and selected for us to do. Uh, he's definitely uh, cooled down a little bit, like he had a scorching hot start, and then, but he's still he's still shooting like forty percent on the year. Uh, you want him to keep going with that. I would say keep him in the starting lineup uh, when the whole roster is healthy. I like the shooting he brings. I think he's kind of stepping up into that uh, role. I know you want him to uh, get more more of a role. Maybe he can start with the starting group and then uh, be out there when some of those other starters are sitting so that he does get that opportunity with the ball in his hands. But uh, I like what he brings, and I'm perfectly happy uh, with this production. Uh, given that it's only like his third or fourth year and uh, he just doesn't cost the Pistons too much money. I, I, I'd give him an A. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, definitely he's been good. And yeah. And maybe, one other thing maybe I want to mention. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the, the only issue I've had with him is like you said, he's been a little bit gun shy. Like he'll pass up on good shots or uh, shots that he could have taken. He has a really quick release. So when he has that, that opening, you do want him to let it fly. That's the only other thing. So I'm still fine with that. And I think uh, as he gets more comfortable, he'll uh, be able to let those fly. Yeah. Uh, he, I think actually, if you get a healthy Reggie Jackson back, I mean, you definitely have a decision to make. I still think there's, there's a merits to having him come off the bench and just, uh, and just eat alive, you know, your opposing bench players, which, which he really did well in the early stages of the season. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's been good. Yeah, maybe maybe B plus is a little unfair. Probably the guy deserves an A minus, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I, I can certainly see where you're coming from as far as contract value goes, though. He's, he's definitely a great value on contract right now. Mm-hmm. So moving on to Derek Rose, another guy who started the season. Uh, he, I mean, he started the season off super well. Uh, odd, I mean, unsustainably well by any measure whatsoever. I mean, the guy was shooting like, you know, better than 60% from mid range, like uh, better than 60% on floaters. And yeah, he just, he had some monster games in the early season, particularly uh, the first three games of the season. He was, he was completely ridiculous. He just, he couldn't, he could barely miss. 
Uh, he's cooled off a lot since he uh, since he came back from injury. He has not been nearly so good. Uh, the guy isn't attempting mid-range shots anymore. He's not really attempting his floater so much anymore. He's always settling, which is getting to the basket and scoring. And he hasn't been as effective. Uh, over the, ever since he has returned from injury, uh, his true shooting percentage has been uh, about you know, hair over 52%. That's not acceptable. I mean, that, that's not what you want. It's better than Ish Smith, but it's not what you want. Uh, he's done uh, real, I would say, overall real badly. Uh, as a three-point shooter, not real badly, but not well. You know, thirty—I guess thirty-three percent is is acceptable. But again, uh, you know, he just—he just hasn't been particularly good. He's been taking a lot of shots he shouldn't. Uh, he's uh, overall, you know, been decent as far as uh, assist to turnover goes. Not great. I mean, uh, about six assists, two point five turnovers. But his turnovers tend to come at the worst possible time. And, uh, you know, it's hard not, not to like Derek Rose. He's a real hard worker. He's exciting to watch. And, um, but his decision-making at times has, has really left, uh, has really left something to be desired. And, and like I said, I mean, it's like you saw a Minnesota last season. He did great. Uh, he got some bone chips in his elbow. Uh, sounds like somebody's moving chairs in the background. Um, yeah, I'm turning off my mic for a second. <laughs> all right. Uh, so he, um, uh, Last season with Minnesota, he got some bone chips, I believe, in his elbow, and uh, his, you know, his, his shooting, just his performance in general, went down the tubes. Uh, he's he's looked he's just looked different since he's come back from injury, and uh, he needs to be more comfortable with settling for shots not at the basket. So I'd give Derrick Rose overall. Uh, overall, I would say. Uh, a B plus at this point. His defense has also, you know, not been the greatest. Uh, he's been a capable backup point guard, certainly. And and on the season, you know, 56% true shooting, uh, about 16 points per game. You know, you're getting what you're paying for. Hopefully you can stay healthy and in the lineup. So, uh, but you really wanted to see him get back to the point where he's more comfortable, uh, not just, needing to get to the basket because defense isn't really adapted though to his credit he's done pretty well as a facilitator yeah so what are your thoughts on the guy i've liked him so far i mean like you said Derek rose super <laughs> likable guy uh i didn't expect him to be this good considering that you know there was that time like one or two years ago where people thought he was done for good uh i've been really happy with his production he's had some bad shooting nights and uh, times where he couldn't finish, but uh, he's building chemistry with the lineup. Uh, either the Milwaukee game or the Spurs game, uh, he was doing a really good job of getting inside, drawing the defense, and then finding a guy on the perimeter. Uh, and oftentimes it resulted in like a wide open three, and yeah, that's exactly that what Spurs. you want from him. The Spurs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten, ten assists in that game. Yeah. So as far as his shooting goes – you hope it gets better, but uh, for the number of shooters that we have on our bench, like Sfi, uh, Kennard at times, uh, Galloway, who's shooting ridiculously well, it, it's good enough for now that he's just giving them open shots. But if he can just finish the way he does, which he's an acrobat and it's really fun to watch, uh, he, he's done well enough for now. Uh, I expect the as he learns to play with his teammates a little bit better, Obviously, just the first, what, 20 games. 
Uh, I expect that to get better. He'll reduce his turnovers, and uh, hopefully his numbers will get better. Yeah. Uh, so. He has actually been taking more threes since his return from injury. He, he was attempting less than one a game before his injury. Now he's taking, ever since he's been taking uh, about three, 34%. So that's pretty good. <clears throat> of course, there are going to be nights when he misses basically all of them. <laughs> and there, have, mm-hmm. there have been nights when he's missed basically all of them. And when they miss, they're real bad misses. Mm-hmm. so what would you give the guy as far as the grade goes for now i guess i'll give him a c just because a he's c? had some pretty Derek bad Rose? yeah yeah in general Cause he's oh. had, yeah because he's had some pretty bad shooting nights but i think it'll get a lot better and then like the, the turnovers and like there was that one i mentioned it earlier just one really bad turnover where there was just nobody there uh yeah, yeah that is a c for now that's unfortunate. I give the guy a B. I think I think he deserves uh, he deserves some plaudits for for his early season heroics. And I think as far as a backup point guard goes, uh, I think I think he's been well above average. Hmm. Uh, he's got some he's got some uh, certainly some some wrinkles to iron out. But uh, you know I'm I I think he's done pretty well. He could be better, but I think he's done pretty well. And I think he's definitely been an upgrade on Ish Smith, who was just who just grew into spacing disaster with this team. Mm. so uh you know yeah if i were if feeling generous and even get you know give the guy a b plus um you know maybe in my opinion maybe he deserves that because also he's just i think he's been a very positive influence on the team as on, the, on his teammates around him as well <clears throat> so moving on down the list and i suppose why not uh we'll go with um actually let's just stick to the starting lineup uh the last guy there is going to be bruce brown uh so bruce overall still struggling from the floor you know, even after uh, coming in as starting point guard, uh, you know, his start to the season was just was absolutely horrible. I mean, he was through like the first four or five games. I mean, he was obscenely bad, just just dreadful. I think he had a negative player efficiency rating at one point. Uh, he's picked it up. Certainly, uh, his highlight of the season was uh, still his uh, uh, the game against um, against the Nets uh, when he did quite well. Uh, I mean. Circumstances were very good. I, I think the Nets really hadn't game plan him, uh, game plan for him at all, and it was, it was weird to me that Kenny Atkinson, who is, is in my opinion a very good coach, didn't just tell his guys just sag off the guy and, and double team him when he goes into the paint. <laughs> but um, uh, even since that time, uh, he's got a true shooting percentage of about forty nine. That's not good. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but it's, he's just been safe for the ball. You know, assist to turnover about two point seven. Uh, he's just, and, and he's been better uh, overall on the season uh, as a three-point shooter. Uh, you know, on the season uh, as as a whole, he is shooting uh, about thirty-three percent on only one point five attempts per game, or one point six. But still, that's that's a very significant improvement. It seems when he can really get his feet set and he's in the corner, uh, he does pretty well. But there are just some nights when he completely disappears, uh, uh, you know, in general on offense. He's certainly gotten better on his way to the basket. He's very athletic. He's he's been an able perimeter defender. And he's, you know, you get the same hard work you're always going to get from Bruce Brown. Uh, he's a guy, I, I've said before, if he can get his offense in order, he can be a significant part of this team's future. I mean, he's he's a, there's, there's just no way not to like the player himself, even if he, you know, even if at times he's very frustrating to watch less so this season than last season. I mean, the guy just, 
wants nothing more than, than for his team to win. Uh, I'd say he couldn't care less about how well he, uh, you know, it's, he's a kind of guy. I think if you asked him, he'd say, I would be content taking zero shots. If that was what, you know, if that's what's best, if, if I need, uh, if that's, what's going to give my, my team its best possible shot at winning, then I'll do really whatever is necessary. And you need guys like that. <clears throat> and if you want to point to, you know, uh, your old stereotype of Detroit basketball, the guys who really do, who really just are, are super gritty, work really hard and just play for their team. I mean, Bruce Brown will fall into that category. Uh, he's definitely a guy I could see growing into a leader. And uh, he's, he's got, uh, and he's got, if he can develop his offense, it, he's got a pretty, uh, he'll have a pretty good all around skill set because as we've seen, he can pass. Uh, he's got good court vision. Um, He's a good defender. He's, he's very athletic. So uh, he has been thrown into uh, a position that isn't ideal for him. He's, uh, I think he's not ready to play starting point guard. I think, you know, I think that's, that's just pretty basic just at the, this stage of his career. He's just, uh, yeah, he just, he can't really space the floor very well still. And, um, you know, there he's made leaps and bounds from last year on offense. He's still not a good scorer. So he's done a bang up job, you know, based on what could reasonably be expected from Bruce, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd toss him, uh, you know, I'll be generous just because honestly, you know, against, against all odds, I, I really liked the guy last season. I could occasionally forget that it was his coach putting him in a position for which he was simply not at all ready. Uh, but, you know, I give Bruce a B. Uh, to, you know, again, maybe this is just uh, some of my biases coming into play. Like, I really respect guys who really, really set their minds to what's best for their team. And he, in my opinion, absolutely does that. So, uh, uh, oh, yeah, another thing to note, uh, he has done uh, a much better job of limiting his fouls. I know because har- I've harped on that in the past. Yep. The last season, outside of centers, he was the most foul-prone starter in the league. And uh, he's still averaging about, um, you know, per 36 minutes, he's, uh, I believe, averaging four fouls, which still isn't very good, but it's considerably better than last season, uh, in which, if I remember correctly, he was at about five. So he still needs to work on that. But I think he's just improved quite a bit from last season overall. So, <clears throat> like I said, hard not to like the guy. He's still got a lot of growing to do. If, uh, you know, if he wants to be, uh, you know, certainly a starter in the league, but, uh, on offense, even, even as a defender, excuse me, even, even as a bench player, you'd like to see him grow. Uh, but, you know, I, I find it hard to fault him for much except for that first stretch of first, you know, five or six games when he was, he was unthinkably bad. What's your take? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, to start, yeah, the three point shooting, uh, that's, that is the key for him, and it's been really encouraging to see him knock down, I think, 33% of them this year. Uh, it's a slow shot. He has to like catch it, square up, and then it's a slow release. Uh, but if he could just knock that down reliably, it would be huge for his game because, uh, like, you, like you said, he he's getting to the basket better. He's got a pretty quick first step, and... If team if teams didn't play him to the way where like the defender is going to sag off, give him plenty of space, and then when he tries to drive to the basket, uh, he has a little more time to you know, catch up with Bruce and uh, defend him a little bit better. So if Bruce could 
tighten up those defenders and then start beating them off the dribble. Uh, that'd be huge for his game, and uh, maybe he would be shooting it a little bit better closer to the rim. Uh, the three-point shot is it's just a, it's something that I really hope he continues to work on. I know he said that uh, he's aware of how much harder it is for Blake Griffin when he's on the floor because a lot of times it's Bruce's defender who's the, the guy who's coming in a double, and if Blake kicks it out to him, teams are pretty happy to have him take that three-point shot if it's if it's rushed because chances are it's not going to go in. Uh, like like you said, I, I like him because he's hard worker, and I, I agree with you. I do think he has leadership potential. Uh, in Summer League, he didn't get to play in the last game, but in all the games he played, uh, he was getting past guys with no trouble, and when he wasn't playing on the bench, he was – he was the first guy standing up and cheering. He was getting his guys hyped up. He took it very seriously as a leader, and uh, you really like to see that. So I definitely hope that Bruce continues to work on that three-point shot. I think that would just open up the rest of his game. But right now, uh, I can't give him more than like a C because his true shooting is just that bad, and uh, it's just not enough right now. Uh, I'd like to see him come off the bench. I understand that if like Jackson comes back and you start Luke Kennard, that's a horrible, horrible defensive combo uh, for your guards, but Not terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I think he would uh, have a lot more. His athleticism would uh, shine through a little bit more against uh, bench guards. And the other thing, like we, I mentioned this in the, the last podcast, uh, it was right after the Atlanta game, the first Atlanta game, uh, which was, I think, it was either the season opener or the home opener. Uh, Trey Young, he got what he wanted against Bruce, and Bruce was kind of playing him out of control on defense, and he was and Trey was coaxing him uh, into a lot of fouls. And then that second game, uh, Trey had one bad foul where Trey kind of stopped, and then Bruce ran into him and he forced the foul. And I thought, oh, see here, we're going to see it again because Bruce had even said he said, "I'm I'm ready for that next Atlanta game," but after that first foul, he he was able to uh, control himself a lot better and he held trade, I think nine points, single digit, yeah. single digit shooting. That's I believe so, yeah. pretty great. So I like Bruce, but he just re- really needs to figure out his offense for before he can get uh, higher than a C from me. Yeah. Uh, d- and I will say definitely he's still, I should mention very bad uh, on the way to the, on the way to the basket, he's, he's not, still not scoring very well, around 40%. That said, I'd say uh, certainly um, as the season has gone on, he has been taking more of just what's available rather than trying to force anything. So mm-hmm. so moving on uh, further down the starting lineup, uh, why don't we start with the guy who began on the starting lineup, but, uh, you know, has been in and out due to injury, uh, and that's Tony Snell. Now, I'd say Tony Snell, you kind of know what you're getting from him. A guy who can shoot threes and play decent defense and is not really going to give you much more. And on some nights, he's just going to exist and be completely invisible. Uh, that still makes him better than Stanley Johnson or Glenn Robinson III, uh, who annoyingly is actually having a decent season well, with the Warriors. He's, he's shooting considerably better than he did with the Pistons. So, yeah, Tony's done real well as far as just catching the ball and shooting it, you know, 44% on 4.5 attempts per game. You can't sneeze at that, you know, good job there. And occasionally he can take a drive to the basket. 
you know, overall, the guy uh, is about 63% true shooting. Only eight points per game, which should surprise nobody who is familiar with Tony Snell because, you know, some games he'll give you better. Like I said, some games he just barely exists. Uh, defensively, unfortunately, he's been very bad. Uh, his time in the starting lineup, he was a horrific defender. Uh, he did a decent job in the three-point line and got annihilated inside uh, inside the arc. So <clears throat> I'd say the only really unfortunate part thing about Tony Still, there are two unfortunate things about Tony Still. Number one is that you have him starting at small forward. Now he's an improvement over what the Pistons have last season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that's like, you know, <laughs> of course, that's very relative. He's, he's still not a guy you want starting at small forward. Number two is that the Pistons have to pay him again next year. But uh, but let's not think about that. <laughs> so I would say with Snell, you just can't really expect all that much from him. So you're happy when you get something. Uh, in an ideal scenario, he doesn't get killed on defense and he shoots well on offense. He's done the latter. He has not done the former. Uh, I'd give him a C plus. Uh, I'll say it again. Better than what the Pistons had. Still not good. So on to you. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, there's not much to add to that. Uh, his defense has been the, the main issue I have is that he gets beat off the dribble a lot. His lateral movement isn't very good. Uh, but he's doing what the Pistons brought him here to do, which is catch and shoot threes and, you know, know his role. And in that regard, I think he's done well. There's there's just not much for me to add to that. I think his contract is like eight or ten million uh, this oh, year yeah. and next year. So no, it's t- I think ten million this year and twelve million next season. Ten and twelve, gotcha. Uh, I think so, it could be slightly off. Yeah. Either way, it's it's not that he's getting paid that much, I'll, I'll give him a B. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as far as Snell's salary goes also, uh, yeah. 11 million this season, 12 million next season <clears throat> with a player option, which he will undoubtedly take unless he goes on to have an, just an unbelievable <laughs> remainder of the season, uh, which would be very, very unlike Tony Snell, uh, better than John Luer. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> In any event, so next up is uh, probably the biggest surprise from this season, which is Langston Galloway. Uh, now, Galloway, like I've said, like I said earlier in the show, like I've said in the past, is, is just absolutely and utterly notoriously streaky. He's just the streakiest shooter I've ever seen in my life. Uh, last season, he had periods of doing uh, alternate, you know, alternating periods of being horrible and then excellent and then horrible again uh, and then excellent. Uh, and I think then horrible again in the playoffs if I remember correctly. So Galloway, uh, you know, credit, 40, 44% three-point shooter, one of the best catch-and-shoot three-point shooters in the league. Uh, he's actually been doing fairly well in that floater of his. It used to drive me insane last season when Dwayne Casey would, would roll him around a pick and have Langston throw up a floater on which he, you know, which he usually hit at, uh, I believe, on the season, less than 40%. It was a terrible play to run. Langston's actually sinking that pretty well. I don't know if he did some work over the summer or what. Uh, he's a quick trigger, gives the Pistons uh, options both in the catch and shoots and the running around handoffs. Uh, this is a, I never thought I would say anything like this, but I kind of shudder to think of where the Pistons would be if Galloway were not shooting so well. You know, if not for Langston Galloway so far in the season, he's, he's just been very good. Uh, you know, he's, he's been his typical decent self on defense. He's certainly solid. Uh, he struggles in some matchups more than others. He did an admirable job on Trey Young 
in the in the home opener after Bruce Brown, like you said, got completely torched. Uh, Casey finally put the Galloway on Young, and Young did a decent job of slow. Excuse me, Galloway did a, a decent job of slowing Trey down. So, you know, good job to the guy. Uh, you know, I'll, uh, maybe I'm being a little generous here, but I'll give Galloway an A. He's doing everything he's supposed to, and he's doing it well. And, uh, you know, at this rate, he's only scoring about 12 and a half points per game, but he's a reliable shooter so far. He, um, he's been consistent, which is a bizarre thing to say about Langston Galloway throughout 22 games. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even in the games, he hasn't done quite so well. I mean, you have to pay attention to him on the perimeter. Opponents absolutely have to pay attention to him on the perimeter. And I think there were some times last season when opponents were like, sweet, shoot as much as you want. So, you know, good job to Langston. Also, you know, even at his worst for the most part, uh, is, uh, in the past, this is really a team first guy. Always works hard. Uh, you never, I don't think you ever heard ever heard a single thing uh, anybody said anything bad about him as a teammate. So I'd say way to go. And uh, I've, I've criticized him a lot in the past. Now my concern is that uh, can can he keep it up? And uh, yeah. my, I would like to think so. My mind says probably not, based on his yeah. past. Unless he's just turned and you know, unless he is somehow. <laughs> I don't know, like <laughs> found his Zen. Uh, I, I don't know what um, changed his diet, something that is, this caused him to turn this incredible corner and get past this, this incredible lack of reliability that's plagued him throughout the rest of his career. Yeah. So what do you think uh, about Langston? Yeah. 22 games of, I mean, I, maybe, <clears throat> maybe with more like one or two that were not good, but for the most part, this is absolutely the, the best I've seen Langston Galloway play. Uh, I have always been kind of angry at KC or Van Gundy when they would put him in, they give him a lot of shot attempts. And it's like, why, why would you trust this guy with that role? But finally, like contract year, he's come through and he's shooting ridiculously well. And he's not even (coughs) making easy threes. Like a lot of these are off balance, catch and shoot threes. And it's just, it's incredible to watch him knock these down and, there was at some point this season, it's like, it feels like it's almost always going to go in. Like it just looks great almost every time. And for I think 7 million a year and 12.6 points per game. That's, that's great to me. Uh, do I trust it to last? No, I, I still can't discount the two years of, of just, you know, being very, very frustrated with him and his minutes. I, I'd give him an A for these first 22 games. No trouble. You know, he's done exactly what you want him to do. And he's played his role. But I would still say uh, move him before uh, he comes back down to earth because this is the time to kind of sell high on him. I'd give him an A. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe for me giving him an A may just be a sense of relief <laughs> that I don't have to <laughs> – Watch it, and like you said, be super frustrated with Dwayne Casey. Like he was, he was the sixth man for Dwayne Casey last season. Uh, through spans when uh, I think there were twenty nine games, if I remember correctly, uh, twenty eight, twenty nine games in which he didn't hit a thing, a single three point shooter, three point specialist. And it's like, what Dwayne Casey is wrong with you? And Van Gundy, I don't think really played him very consistently, uh, but you know, which is typical Van Gundy, really. Uh, you know, sign a guy to a multi year deal or draft a guy uh, in the first round and then just play him only very sporadically. But, 
yeah, it's it's just a relief to see him doing well. But uh, and and I'm just not going to think about whether this is you know if this is going to end or what it will mean for the Pistons defense, the Pistons <laughs> offense, if it does, or at least the bench offense. So in any event, moving on, uh, we'll look at Markeith Morris. Now, Morris, I know there's a lot of excitement when he was brought in because you think, well, finally, we have a guy who can step into the starting lineup when Blake needs to take a rest. Uh, that illusion was shattered pretty quickly. He was a horrible starter, like just, uh, you know, sneaky, terrible. I think the Pistons with him as a starter were about, uh, you know, his on-off was, was uh, I think, negative between negative 13 and negative 14. It was one of the worst in the league for uh, for any big-minute player. So... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, as a starter, he was just, he was a complete and utter disaster. As a bench player, he's been fairly good. He's, he's certainly shot the three well. You know, you'd, you'd absolutely uh, have to be happy with, um, with, for Marky, 41%, which I think is by far career best and on four attempts per game. That's quite good. He's been good from the post. He's improved as the season has gone on. Early in the season, I was like, oh, my goodness, please. You know, I hope this is what, not what we're going to have to be subjected to. When he was uh, he was forcing shots, he was taking the the patented Morris twin mid-range brick in <laughs> isolation, which you know is just going to bounce off the back of the rim uh, and just, for the most part, not even come close. I mean, Marcus Morris, the Pistons fans think very uh, seem to think very highly of him for his tenure in Detroit, and he was quite good in his first season with Detroit. I don't think the Pistons would have made the playoffs if not for what was a very good performance by him uh, down the stretch, like in the last 20 or so games after the trade deadline. Uh, and his second season was horrific. He was, uh, I think of all players, he took about 900 shots, uh, at least 900 shots in that season. He was the second least efficient player in the entire league. Uh, he loved his mid-range shots. He loved his isolations. And if he was in a slump, and he did, he definitely was slumping for much of the season for long stretches, he would just try to shoot his way out of it. It was awful. Uh, and with Markeith, yeah, so just the second those mid-range, uh, you know, bricks off the dribble started, I was like, please, just please tell me this is not going to happen. He would also, uh, there would be times when he would be heading to the basket or he would be, you know, stuck onto the basket and you'd see him glance over the corner and see Luke Kennard <clears throat> wide open in the corner. And then he'd look back and take a bad shot. So uh, basically the only things you want Markeith doing uh, or driving to the basket when it's open, taking spot up threes and trying to score from the post. These things he's he's good at, uh, and like I said, driving to the basket when it's when there's an opening. It's, the guy's not going to drive into traffic and score. He generally uh, drives in from uh, uh, from along the sidelines for the most part. <clears throat> so he's improved. Uh, he's he's really taken those bricks out. He's been passing the ball when there's when he's uh, you know when he when he faces people ahead of him uh, on the drive. He's he's just been much more judicious on offense. On defense, he's passable. He's he's not a good defensive player, but against bench units, he's passable. You just you hope he doesn't have to see any any more significant time in the starting lineup because he was a complete disaster. So for Marky, if I give him a C plus, uh, if I were just looking at, uh, at his time before Blake returned to the lineup, it would be like um, <laughs> somewhere in the D range because he was just terrible, uh, and and so was so was Snell for that matter. Um, so I really maybe should have rated Tony a little bit lower, <clears throat> but, uh, Markeith, ever since he's moved to the bench has been part of a very productive bench unit. So, you know, C plus for the guy, uh, it, it's good that he's on Detroit again. He's, he's far better than the guy he replaced who was, uh, Stanley Johnson, who's, who's taking up a lot of the, the backup power forward minutes. 
so uh, I'm happy to have him on the team in that role. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to fault him too much for his time in the starting lineup because uh, brand new team uh, and obviously not a role that he should have had at all. I was kind of put into that lineup because obviously Blake was out. Uh, I've been a lot happier with him uh, when he's playing with guys like Derrick Rose. Uh, there's There have been a few times where he'll be trailing on the floor. Uh, Derrick will drive into traffic and he'll turn around and whip a pass to Markeith and he'll uh, he'll hit the three. It's, that's exactly what you want from him. I think he's shooting 41% from three this year. And yep, that's right. That's yeah, that's good enough for me. Uh, I'm really happy with him uh, in his bench role, where he's not taking that that horrible uh, like contested mid range shot, where he would like he'd drive, put his shoulder down, and then like spin away from the basket. That's a horrible shot. You don't want him to take that. Uh, if you don't he keeps want to take taking shots off the dribble at all, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, as long as he sticks to his role, and I think he's he's kind of figuring that out. Uh, I, I'm perfectly happy with him. He's his contract is it's not much. It's like three or four million, I think. I was I was happy with the value when we signed him. I know he was coming off uh, a down year last year, but I was still happy with it. We we definitely needed the depth at power forward, and uh, if he can keep this up, I'm perfectly happy with him. I'm gonna grade him on his bench roll, and I, I'm I'll give him a B for that. All right, so I know we're getting a little bit uh, lengthy on this episode. We're coming up on an hour already. We just got, I believe, four more guys to look at. So uh, another guy is, is the last, uh, actually second to last uh, major member of the rotation. And uh, this is the guy who's been probably the biggest surprise so far, and that is Christian Wood. So just looking at what you're getting from Wood, uh, you got to, you know, I think you got to be real happy with the guy. Uh, he's only scoring about nine points a game, but. You know, his, his per 100 possession numbers are, are fantastic. The Pistons are way better with him on the floor. Like uh, Christian Wood has the best net rating on the team at, at plus 10. So uh, 69% true shooting. Uh, he's, he's, he's done fairly well. You know, 14.7% uh, rebound percentage is, is pretty, you know, that's, that's certainly passable. And he's a guy who can create offense. He's a guy who does well despite... Uh, having, you know, I know has, uh, as Greg Kelser has said, I, I disagree with Greg Kelser quite a bit. Um, I know that I'll be accused of heresy by, by a lot of Pistons fans are saying that, but you know, I've, I've my, my disagreements with quite a bit <laughs> that Greg says, at least his analysis, but he's right about saying that the Christian Wood does all of this without really having anything called for him. Uh, I personally think Casey should call some more pick and rolls for, for Christian Wood because he's difficult to stop. He's very springy. He's very long. He's got great hands. <clears throat> so, He's been an integral spark plug off the bench. He spent a lot of time at power forward. I know ever since Griffin has been back, he's he spent a lot more time at center. Uh, he does struggle against certain matchups, like um, you know much bigger matchups. And earlier in the season, he was having trouble. Uh, excuse me, on defense. Early in the season, he was having trouble with missing assignments, and still happens now and then. But on the ball, he's been a he's been a fairly good defender. Uh, he's he's pretty good at contesting shots. He can switch. He doesn't get easily blown past. It's off the ball where he's had more of his troubles, but. You know, on the whole, he's come. He's come onto the team. He works hard. He's a skilled offensive player, and uh, this is a guy who who came on a, a non guaranteed, a minimum non guaranteed contract. Obviously, that contract I think is is pretty ninety nine point nine percent going to be extended unless the guy suffers a career. Excuse me, but the season ending injury. Even then, you know, of course, then you say, okay, we'll go out and find another center off the scrap heap. But 
Yeah, he's stepped into the role ably, and the Pistons have, of course, been tremendously better with him uh, on the floor than than Thon Maker. So I'm just going to go ahead and give Christian Wood yeah, a for, for yeah for what he's paid and and for the role he's been given. Uh, he's he's done very well, and it's kind of a feel good story. Uh, I don't know how many people are familiar with the story, but there's this uh, one of the most poignant uh, pictures from his from his draft year, which I believe was 2015. Uh, uh, was Christian Wood just looking completely crestfallen after he was not drafted? And uh, of course, it's been it's been a rough road for him really making it uh, to, to find a consistent role in the NBA. It seems like uh, I think I know there was some talk about him having a bad attitude in the past. Seems like there's been no issue with that in the Pistons. Of course, I'm not in the locker room, but people seem to speak well of him. But he's he's certainly been a very pleasant surprise. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I I've. I loved Christian Wood this season. Uh, and it's no secret, he he was kind of stuck on the bench in the early season. Uh, Thon Maker was in front of him. And a lot of people were like kind of screaming, like, Casey, what are you doing? Give this guy his minutes. Uh, he's infinitely more fun to watch than Thon Maker. And he's, he, he, gives hustle, he hustles every night. And that's exactly what you want from a guy like him who's you know, he's just trying to get into the league and, like, establish his, his spot, and he's absolutely doing it right now. Uh, and the other thing is that he's done well, I didn't know who, anything about Christian Wood uh, before this signing. Uh, I didn't have any faith in, you know, a guy that comes off the waiver wire, even after he played uh, a, a pretty good end of the season for the Pelicans last year. I didn't trust those numbers. I figured, oh, it's, it's maybe he was just getting it on, like, high uh, – high volume or something, but no, he's, he's absolutely earned all the praise that he's getting. Uh, he's shooting. I don't, I don't know what he's shooting from three, but just on my own eye test, he's, I, he shoots really well. And I had no idea that uh, he would do that because usually these guys that you pick up on minimum contracts and their centers, they, they're usually just like guys who just play above the rim can catch a lob. But Christian Wood's been a lot more than that. He's been getting rebounds, uh, in a crowd and goes up hard and puts him back. And it's just, it's, he's fun to watch. And I'm glad that finally at this point, he's getting the role that he, he deserves. And, uh, he's the first center off the bench. Thank goodness. Cause uh, you can never have too much of this guy compared to Thon maker. So I'll, I'll give him an A. Absolutely. He's just on this contract. He's an absolute steal and he's been a ton of fun to watch. Yeah, uh, that number is about forty-five percent from three. By the way, yeah. low volume, but yeah, it's been a pleasant yeah. surprise. And like you said, he's, he's he's a great deal of fun to watch. So we'll just try to blow through the last three guys on the list here. Uh, one is uh, Svi Mikaljuk. Uh I, I know I've said in the past that I thought Svi would, uh, if he was going to make it in the NBA, it would be as uh, as a shooting specialist. That's basically what he's been this season. He's he comes off the bench and uh, he shoots uh, a lot of threes. You know, he's, he's attempting uh, 4.6 shots per game, uh, 3.4 of those are threes. He's hit them at about 45%. The guy tries to get to the basket. Uh, when he does, he most often gets stuffed. He's just, I think, he struggles to – he's quite athletic, actually, surprisingly. He's got short arms. He's just He, he tries to go to the side of the basket and, and just lift one up, and it gets stuffed. Uh, but whatever the case, the guy can come across, come around screens and shoot threes. He's, he's, a, he's actually a very effective spot-up shooter. Uh, he's been very good uh, at catch and shoots and in transition, and that's that's more or less where he's attempting his shots. 
So, um, yeah, I've, I've been satisfied with him. I don't know if he'll last on the bench, uh, on the bench unit. If we, when, you know, hopefully when or if Reggie Jackson comes back, uh, he's been well enough, you know, for the role he's given, uh, he's been decent on defense. So he's, he's, he has been relatively foul prone at, at times. Uh, so I'll give Svi a solid B, you know, uh, if he was brought on as let's see what this guy can do. He's done a decent job. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, losing Reggie Bullock last year, uh, I understood why they, they moved him. They didn't think they would be able to afford him. And uh, what ended up happening was that he has some some injury. So it's good that the Pistons got value out of Reggie Bullock, and I'm I'm happy that they picked up Svi. Uh, last year when we had such horrible shooting performances, I was really hoping to see Svi last year because, like you said, the guy's billed as a shooting specialist, the Lakers. Uh, that's what – he was doing there and I'm really happy that he's getting minutes now, but I do think, yeah, if Reggie Jackson comes back and he's, uh, and he's going back to his, uh, three pointing three point shooting from last year and playing that off ball role really well. Uh, I think Svi is the one who comes out of the lineup, which would be unfortunate because he's shooting like 45%, if I remember correctly from three. And, you know, if he can just be that guy, that's great with me. He's, like you said, his arms are short. He he doesn't create uh, with speed. What he does kind of do well is like he'll run up and then he can stop really and stop and pop really well. That's like his main way of creating his own shot. Uh, I'd like to see more of him. I'm really happy the Pistons picked him up and that he's getting his role finally. I'd give him a B, like you said. Yeah, he's definitely a jitterbug on offense. He's always moving. Uh, he. I think there was some hope based on summer league that he can create off the pick and roll, but I, I just don't think he has the athleticism or, or the body to do that in the NBA level. But uh, he's, he's been good for what he's provided. Uh, now come the last two. This is the the bottom of the barrel. One is Thon Maker. He hardly needs uh, <laughs> any evaluation. <laughs> I think in, in the opinion of, of most Pistons fans, he could not be out of the lineup quickly enough. So we've gone over Thon fairly exhaustively in previous episodes. Suffice it to say, he didn't really do anything well. Uh, you know, surprisingly, if you look at the stats right now, the guy's got a uh, is the sixty one percent true shooting, which is you might say, my goodness, how did that happen? Well, it happened because he rarely attempts shots, and uh, he did decently uh, as a three point shooter during you know throughout uh, toward the end of his tenure in the line in, in the rotation. But my goodness, was the guy bad? Uh, he he's not going to produce at all for you in the paint. He's just he's awful at that. He was a disaster on defense. He got he got out. He's just he's, he's he moves very slowly on his feet. He got beaten at the perimeter. He got muscled out in the paint. Uh, and if he were put on the floor with anybody who was not good at shooting, I mean, it was just it was a terrible situation. The guy was just awful. He was a drag on the team, and uh, it's a shame for him. But uh, you know that he's that he's fallen out of the rotation. Uh, but I hope he stays there. So I'm going to give Thon Maker. Mm-hmm. He, he had he improved a slight bit. Uh, toward the end, I'll give him a D plus. You know, I'll give him a D. We'll call it that. I mean, the guy was bad. <clears throat> um, the the Pistons took a flyer on him, but I think I think if the uh, if the front office had a crystal ball, uh, they would have just said, "Screw it, we'll just keep Stanley," and you know, and we'll have space in the offseason for an additional minimum contract because this thumb was just that bad. So yeah, I'll be nice and give him a D. Uh, to, you know, <laughs> you could make the, the argument that the guy deserves an F because he was bad at everything. 
Yeah. But I, I imagine you feel the same. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd give him an F because he was just hard to watch, especially when, you know, Christian Wood was on the bench and he was a lot more exciting. And I guess that's not really Thon's fault, but he was just ridiculously bad. He's he's too skinny to guard fives and he's too slow to guard fours. Uh, if he wants to make it in the league, he has to just be a really good three-point shooter off the bench somehow. But I don't see that happening any like on significant volume. I hope it's not something that Casey tries <laughs> to get him to do on the Pistons. Uh, yeah, no, I'd give him an F. Yeah, I think I think you could possibly look at the Hawks game and say the Pistons might have lost that game because Dwayne Pacey played Don Maker for most of the second half at power forward. <laughs> so, uh, and you hate to say it, like in, in games that were the Pistons had a lot of close games in the early going, a lot of close losses, and you say, what if Christian Whipper in the lineup instead of Don Maker? Um, and Don were not playing minutes at all. Who knows for the Pistons have one or two wins now? It's, it's irrelevant. But yeah, he was he was just real bad. And then last is probably the guy is a guy who was even worse than Don Maker. Uh, he's been largely forgotten at this point uh, because he's out of the rotation. That's Tim Frazier. My goodness, has he been bad? <laughs> um, the guy is absolutely snake bitten as a scorer. Thirty three percent true shooting. I mean, going into the season, you could say, okay, the guy's a crap defender. Everybody knows that. He's not the greatest offensive player, but you know what? You can spot him up the three point line. It's probably going to do pretty well. Uh, nope, uh, that's definitely not the case. The guy could not score from anywhere. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, he has the same field goal percentage and three point percentage, twenty one point four for both. Uh, that really needs no analysis whatsoever. Uh, yeah, his his time in the starting lineup was just abominably bad it was a shame that he was put there in the first place uh it was put in that position you know if he played like he did last season where he you know was a somewhat acceptable fill-in uh you know emergency fill-in uh for i believe was it the pelicans or the, or the bucks i don't i don't remember i think it was the pelicans i think it was the bucks <clears throat> it was the bucks well the season before for the pelicans uh you know great but uh <laughs> i mean the guys the chief a credential right now for the Pistons is that he's not Jose Calderon, but he might as well be. I mean, you got to think that nobody can be worse than Calderon, but, uh, you know, Tim Frazier's given that notion a run for its money. So sorry, Tim, you got the, uh, the uncoveted F grade, man, that guy was bad. And Dwayne Casey seems to have given up on him and rightly so, you know, he just, he, he, he gives the, uh, you know, that's where Bruce Brown took his minutes basically. And so he, and uh, and they just you know yeah so so long Tim that's a shame. Uh, it'd be nice to have a good uh, third string point guard, but you ain't it. So yeah. F for him. Yep. You disagree? <laughs> no, no, no. I completely not. agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't you can't argue with those numbers. Those are that's just thirty three percent true shooting. That's just I didn't know it was that bad. Uh, I I wasn't all that mad at him because he's just a third string point guard. That's what he was brought on to do. Obviously. He was never supposed to be in the starting lineup. Uh, it was just some pretty bad injury luck that all of our ball handlers uh, were down at the same time for a moment there. But, uh, yeah, no. You, you can't give him anything other than an F with those types of numbers. He's just been – Yeah. I, I, I did kind of forget about him because, yeah, he's out of the lineup, and I'm glad a guy like Svi is getting his minutes. Uh, yeah, no. It's unfortunate. Yeah, he was – yeah, it's it's very unfortunate. I mean, fortunately, the Pistons had uh, had, had somebody to step in. Um, you know, maybe maybe the Tim Fraser the last couple seasons 
would have done a little bit better job uh, at point guard than Bruce Brown. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. It's probably not. Uh, I don't know. Tough to say. If you've done decent ways a three-point shooter, like Jose Calderon when he came in, uh, was a good spot-up three-point shooter, and that just disappeared. And the same thing has happened to Tim Frazier. And who knows? Maybe it's something in the water. Uh, either way, it's unfortunate. Uh, but his true shooting percentage, it should be noted, has actually been inflated by his time by his um, by the garbage time he's been playing. So he's been even worse uh, than you would think. You know, even worse than that would indicate. Though so you could hardly be worse than thirty three percent. I mean, that's astonishingly bad. So uh, I would have liked to get to, to grading Dwayne Casey, uh, but we are well past an hour at this point. So. We're just going to call it quits in this episode right now. We'll talk about Dwayne Casey next time around. So as always, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time.